Hi, you're listening to Ready to Scale, the second season of That Really Happened. This season is focused on APS of real estate, asset, process, and strategy. Each guest on the show will reveal the assets they're investing and why they chose to do so. From multifamily to industrial, self-storage, mobile home parks, and more. Then, they'll uncover the processes, tools, and systems they've used to build multi-million dollar businesses. And finally, they'll uncover new, unique, and exciting strategies to invest in real estate. From co-working to buy and hold, fix and flips, co-living, and much, much more. Now let's get the show started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Ready to Scale. I'm Ellie Perlman, your host broadcasting from Providence, Rhode Island. So today I want to talk to you about using intuition and EQ in real estate investing. So I have to say that I primarily rely on data you know, huge fan of data. I'm obsessed with data, actually. I'm probably spending a few years at MIT, you know, that would do it probably. So when I say that I rely on data is that I'm looking at data when I'm underwriting deals, when I'm looking at deals, you know, I'm looking at the properties, financials, the T12, which are the last 12 months of operations, comparing how the property is trending you know, the last three months, the last month, the last six months, nine months, 12 months, it's all, you know, the numbers really tell you a story. What's happening with income? What's happening with expenses? If there are any weird line items, a spiking income, a spiking expenses, you know, trying to understand what's happening there, the numbers can really tell you a story. In addition, I'm also looking at market rent studies. So my team, before we buy anything, they call seven to 10 different competitors and they're asking how much you're charging for one, two, and three bedrooms. Do you have any moving specials? What amenities do you have? Because I really want to know what is the competition doing? What do they offer new tenants? How much they're charging you know, per square foot? on a renovated unit, on a non-renovated unit, and then compare it to the property that I'm looking at because I want to know if the property I'm looking at is charging, let's say, a dollar per square foot for a renovated unit and the property next door is charging a dollar fifty, then I might be able to push rents to maybe, you know, a dollar thirty and still be competitive but still make more money. So that's what I mean when I say that I primarily rely on data when it comes to making investment decisions. The numbers have to be right. The deal has to make sense. It doesn't matter if it's in the strongest market. If the deal is not underwriting well, I'm not going to you know, make the decision to buy the property. However, I also use EQ, emotional intelligence, and I rely on my intuition when I make buying decisions. So I got to say, when I talk about intuition, doesn't mean that if I see a beautiful property that I get overly excited, which of course, you know, I do, but I don't get overly excited for that long that it will impact my decision to buy the property just because it feels good to own a beautiful property. When I say that I'm relying on my intuition, It means basically that I'm using my EQ, my intuition to understand what is really going on and that helps me make better decisions. So for instance, 
when I'm speaking with the seller, I'm really trying to read between the lines and to feel the seller, to feel what's his pain points, what is important to the seller, and what motivates them. And that really helps me to make a compelling you know, letter of intent and a compelling offer to purchase the property. So I don't know if you're aware of the long and extensive acquisition process. It starts when we see a deal. It could be a deal that is off market when, you know, the broker is going to call us and say, hey, I have this deal. Why don't you look into it? Or it's a marketed deal that is on the website, on broker's website. So my team, you know, looks at those websites every day and underwrites the deals by looking at the financials, which is a combination of tax forms, rent roll, and T12. And there's also offering memorandum. It's kind of a gigantic PDF of sometimes 70 pages where the broker is basically telling you how amazing the property is, which is not always, in fact, most of the time it's not true, but that's, you know, basically... The OM is presenting the market, the property, what's the business plan, what you can do as a buyer. And it actually gives us ideas on what we can do with the property. For instance, add reserved parking, add Amazon lockers, you know, convert the laundry facility to a yoga room, for instance, all kinds of ideas. And after we underweight the deals, we basically, there are multiple steps. We involve the property manager. They walk the property and come back with some, you know, information. We talk with the lenders who give us, you know, initial very soft, you know, debt quote. And then we send an LOI letter of intent and we say, hey, this is us. This is what we've done so far. We're ready to buy the property at X amount. The broker is basically taking all those LOIs present them to the seller and the seller chooses who they want to speak with on the next round, which is called best and final. So you get a call from the broker and the broker says, congratulations, you're in the best and final. You have a week or five days or 10 days to submit your best offer. Then you do some more due diligence, sharpen your pencils, and then you make the second offer, the final offer. Then the seller chooses who they want to speak with among those who have submitted the final offer. And on this call, where I, this is my chance to basically present and promote my company the best way possible. It's definitely a seller's market, even during COVID, to present in my company and say, hey, this is what you've, we've done so far. This is, you know, why we want your property. You can trust that we can close this deal based on our, you know, history and closing deals. And during that call, you have usually 30, maybe 45 minutes I'm trying to use my EQ to read between the lines, see if I'm dealing with a seller that is trusting or a seller that has some trust issues. If the seller is upfront and willing to share what's happening behind the scenes or if they're holding their cards close to their chest and not really telling you what's going on. And based on the type of seller that I see is in front of me, I'm adjusting you know, my tone, what I'm presenting, how I'm approaching it. I'm really using that to make sure that the seller feels comfortable with me and would want to choose me as the buyer. So it's, you know, I'm just increasing the likelihood of being awarded the deal. So that's one way of, you know, 
how I'm using my EQ or intuition. It's really hard to explain how I see that. It can be the intonation. It can be how fast or slow they are to respond to a certain question. But you get, after talking with so many sellers, you get a sense of who the seller is. It's also very helpful to have a conversation with the broker beforehand to get a little bit more information. You do some you know, online research and kind of try and see who that person is. Now, when I walk a property, that's the second part of how I use my intuition. I'm trying to feel, quote unquote, if the property is right. It's, again, hard to explain in words, but when I walk the property, it either feels right, like it feels homey, it feels it has good energies, it looks nice. It doesn't have to be, of course, a nice property, but even properties that are old can still look nice and homey or they feel cold and not very homey, not something that tenants would want to, you know, embrace and live there. So that's another way, you know, when I'm walking the property, if it feels good to me, it will feel good to potential tenants that are going to walk the property and try and assess whether they want to move in. It doesn't mean that I personally would want to move there and it doesn't have to be the right asset that I would want to move there, but I'm switching my hats and I'm not wearing, when I walk in a property, I'm not wearing the investor hat, I'm wearing a tenant hat. And I'm trying to imagine that I am a tenant, let's say I'm in my early 20s, and I'm looking for a property, you know, an apartment, would that be an apartment that I would want to live in? You know, I used to be a student, I didn't have a lot of money in my early 20s, but I always paid, you know, my rent on time. And so that's kind of the type of personality that I'm kind of stepping into, which is how I used to be years ago, almost, you know, 17, 18 years ago. And that's what I'm trying to assess whether this property is going to attract the right type of tenants. Some assets can look great on paper in terms of, you know, returns are, look very high, then you drive there and it's not in the best area of town. It doesn't feel very safe to walk around. The property does not feel good. It just doesn't feel good. And after you walk enough properties, you start getting that feeling pretty quickly. So that's the second part of how I use my intuition when I'm buying real estate. And you know, I would say that the last part is that since I'm syndicating deals and I'm basically working with investors to buy a property, I use my EQ to determine whether my investors would like this deal and, you know, if the story makes sense, if this is the right market for them or not. And if it's not the right fit for my investors, then I pass. So for instance, if the property has a good story, for instance, the owner renovated half the units and left the other half, it's in a growing market. The property actually is beautiful. Investors love beautiful properties. It doesn't have to be, of course, class A beautiful, but it looks you know, they would be proud of ownership. You know, I own a small piece of this beautiful property. It definitely, definitely helps. Some assets, again, they look great, but you look at them. I mean, they look great on paper in terms of the returns, but you look at them and I can already see how that would be hard to market to investors. It doesn't look inviting enough. It looks maybe too old. It doesn't look like something they would be proud to own. And, you know, this is one of the areas where, again, the story doesn't make sense, doesn't have a compelling story, doesn't have the right look, or if it's 
in a very, very remote market, which I don't invest in because I don't think that demand drivers are there. But if it's, for instance, two, three hours outside of Dallas or outside of Atlanta, it's going to be a little bit harder to convince investors to buy in this market because investors, you know, like me, they like the larger secondary or tertiary markets, you know, Atlanta, the Carolinas, Tampa, etc. And if you're bringing them a market that is a bit further away, it's harder to get their attention. It's harder, you know, create excitement around it. So when I see a deal and after a while you see so many deals, you know, okay, this investment has a solid story. It's in a decent market. That would be something that would speak to investors. That's another way of, you know, using my EQ, my intuition to make investment decisions. So that's all that I have for you today it was kind of a short episode, but I wanted to share with you, you know, how I use my EQ and my intuition when I buy real estate. And of course, it's, you know, when you're negotiating a deal, then let your intuition lead you, but don't get emotional. I try not to get emotional, not to attach to a certain deal. There was a beautiful deal in Tampa that we were looking into, you know, we were on our way to sign a contract. We didn't sign a contract and then COVID hit and someone else was you know, willing to buy the property at a higher price than what we were willing to pay. And it, it was devastating a little bit. You know, I really liked the property. I liked the location. It had a really good story. And when I walked the property, it felt good. But with the new numbers, with the new price that the seller was demanding us to pay, the numbers didn't make sense. And I did not attach myself to, you know, I wasn't attached to the deal because there are no emotions when it comes to the hard numbers. So I hope that that makes sense to you of kind of balancing between EQ and intuition and not getting your emotions involved with the deal itself. You know, you use the intuition to make a decision whether you want this deal and how you want to handle it. But once you're in the deal, make sure you're not extremely attached to it and make decisions based on the numbers. That's it for today. Be strong, stay healthy, and I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.